Welcome to the TruckVin.com podcast. As America's foremost truck buyer, we keep you informed on all topics regarding the trucking industry. We work with industry leaders to provide valuable insight. When you're ready to sell, call America's foremost truck buyer at 855-TRUCK-20 or visit TruckVin.com. And now, your host for the TruckVin.com podcast, Zach Ellis. Welcome to the truckman.com podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ellis. Today's Wednesday, January 18th. I'm joined with Megan and James. Gage, you can't see, has a, a Bucky's beanie on. It should be a truckman.com beanie. We'll change that before he leaves. So incredibly excited to have James and Megan here with us today. This will be episode number three that's coming uh, of the truckman.com podcast. So we've got a lot of big things happening with truckman.com as we progress forward in the future. But, uh, We'll start with you, Megan. How are you? I'm great. Gage is the real MVP. I got some fresh swag today. Yeah. Looking good, looking good. You can catch me wearing this at the Montgomery Plaza Target very often. So excited yeah. to be here and learned a lot more about you. And yeah. you just, you have a fan club now. I'm running it. <laughs> yeah, you and my wife will see each other at the Target at Montgomery Plaza when she comes up here. <laughs> She's uh, she takes uh, the kids, she huddles them in her uh, Cadillac and hauls them over to Target. She sounds like my kind of gal, I tell you what. I'm like, hey, what's that charge on the American Express? Yeah. $619, Target, Dash, zero one. That's a grocery run. That's a grocery run, Zach. She sounds like a good, put us in a, a text thread together. <laughs> that's, that's, that's sounds easy. I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm very disappointed with the Bucky's beanie, though, I got to be honest. I feel like lack of effort yeah. you know yeah well haze him on it today oh yeah he's good he's uh, he's got the camera set up so hopefully the angles are right but oh dogged me on one of them we have to bring it up oh. but no we're doing great gage has really stepped up his game yeah. this is a top-notch production here now <laughs> yeah yeah so the truckvin.com podcast is going to be new for 2023 a lot of what you guys saw before on the youtube channel was traveling type vlogs blogs we had some of the Office series, which introduced a lot of you to the um, office team that we have here, day-to-day -day operations, some of our process, stuff like that, because we do feel like the reputation of exactly what we do, what we portray, and then deliverance is such a huge piece. But So we'll start with uh, well, Megan, I guess, tell us kind of uh, who you are, exactly what you do. Who, who am I? What do I? That's a great existential question. And if you can figure that out, my therapy bill is going to go way, way down. But uh, well, I'm James's fabulous co-host. Yeah. I'm Jeremy Span 2.0 for, you know, Winning Strategies Playbook. Yes. I also work in venture capital as a deal scout, and I work in venture capital-backed tech. So I'm in health tech and SaaS. So if anyone needs a debt gal or an investment gal to kind of look and help you see what kind of funding options are out there, I'd like to say I'm your gal. If not, I can find you the right person for sure. So that's kind of my claim to fame on this podcast and others we, we haven't had anybody on the podcast with uh, venture capital especially in the tech space that's such a a huge huge space i know very early on a couple of people mentioned to me why don't you you know build up your platform and sell it to somebody in silicon valley and uh, although it sounds good it seems like there's a lot more involved in it so mm -hmm. had you uh where'd uh, where'd your your um timeline start at kind of uh yeah. out of high school did you go to college where'd you go to no so <laughs> do we really need to bring this up you're putting me on the spot you spoke a little bit about your untraditional and unconventional education background. I started out very similar. So I went to art school thinking I was going to save the world through high-end art sales, right? So I looked at Sotheby's and Christie's and the warehouses in New York, and mm -hmm. I thought they had really hit the market, right? This was an exciting career, a great career, sort of fell into healthcare accidentally, business development, because people just kept saying I could talk to a rock. And apparently in healthcare, there's a lot of rocks. So... Mm -hmm. Fell into that, <laughs> fell into that. And then venture capital wave within the health tech space really took over. What about 2016, 2017, mm -hmm. we started that really infiltrating the market there. And I just am the type of person where if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. So venture capital can be a really elitist field, which we can have a different podcast conversation about yeah. that. But yeah. really interested in the ecosystem, got into it really young and naively thinking this is the american dream yes like 
I went into it with these big, huge brown eyes thinking they are giving people the American dream. And I want to be a part of that because I come from very blue collar, paycheck to paycheck parents where this seemed just astronomical. No one is ever going to write you a check for $5 million, right? So just started easing my way in exactly to what you were speaking to earlier about LinkedIn, just reaching out taking courses, educating yourself, edging yourself into those doors and just mm -hmm. knocking on enough doors to where someone would take a chance on me. And I got really lucky and someone took a chance on me. And I guess the rest is history. So here awesome. I am. How much of the healthcare space do you think is driven by technology now? 100%. From the 90s to now. 100% of it. There's not an aspect in, in healthcare today that is not driven or enabled by a technical aspect. It may not be exactly at 100, but it's 90 plus. And you're seeing, you're seeing healthcare technology that is not just telehealth. It's not just EHRs. I mean, we're getting so specific into data and AI, right? They want to know, they want to be able to do risk management on your entire patient population. And what does that look like, mm -hmm. right? So you're getting AI insights. Um, you're getting SaaS, you're getting software as a service, right? You're not even looking at clinical services so much in health tech anymore, right? It's what's next, what's coming up next, and how do we predict for the future? It's a huge driver in health tech right now. That's so huge. I just had LASIK and it was amazing. Mm. I've worn glasses since I was like 18 and I was like, man, I'm so sick of these glasses because mm. outside of work, uh, you know, as business owners, we don't get a lot of that time. But when we do, I like to go, you know, bass fishing and I usually take my kid, but I noticed when I was traveling so much, like when it rains or when it's foggy, I get off a plane and instantly, you know, it just, you can't see anything. You yeah. try to get your glasses and clean them with something. And it was a nightmare, but it was, it, I asked that question because it's so amazing that LASIK, I had a pretty high prescription too. I mean, I was like almost legally blind, knock on wood. It's somewhat fixed now, but the LASIK was I was so just absolutely terrified because this is how I make my living. Obviously, staring at screens and meeting people. Right. But they said it was a 20-minute procedure, and I was like, there's no way. You're not going to be working on my eyes for 20 minutes. I don't think so. Lo and behold, they didn't ask the lady. She's like, it's 20 minutes while you're in the facility. Right. You get 17 seconds in Exactly. I mean, you lay down, you walk in, it looks like you know something out of a, a you know some technology movie from the future now. Yeah. But you just lay down. It's literally you're staring at a bright light that's green and they say, okay, don't move. And it's just a laser. You don't feel anything. Your eyes are numb. And it was 17 seconds and on. You have to do it where I believe it's called cutting a flap. Yeah. And then you go to the next laser over that actually reshapes your cornea. So I had it a little less than two weeks ago. And it is hugely, hugely Wait, changed. you just had it. Yeah. yeah. Looking great. It's amazing. Yeah. January 5th, I had it. And I'm very nearsighted and it's like right after you have LASIK, literally the next five, 10 minutes, it's like you've been in a pool with chlorine for eight hours. Mm -hmm. Everything's very blurry. And now the first week or two, your eyes will start getting irritated and you'll close your eye lighting. You're like, man, my eyes are hot. But it's good now. It really is. You're able to, to read a lot more and it's, I think it gives you a little bit more confidence because you don't have to worry about those glasses. Yeah. I'm very self-aware. I'm big on you know, uh, impressions, right? You don't get a second chance to make a first impression, but that's huge to see. So James Peterson, some of you guys are actually, all you guys haven't seen him on here, but you'll see me on the Winning Strategies playbook we just recorded not long ago. Yeah. Who is James Peterson? Where'd you come from? What do you do? <laughs> well, I'm not as impressive as her, but- uh, False, false news. You know, speaking of LASIK, I got LASIK uh, January of 20. It was okay. a, a present to myself and- what really freaked me out was when they the suction cup would go down and they like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a terrible, because you just, it, you completely lose sight in one eye while they do it, right? That's but um, sound description too. Yeah. <laughs> do they give you an Ativan or like, do they give you anything to calm down? The funny they give you Valium. They give oh, you Valium. Oh, I would do that. Yeah. 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 It's like, can I have three? Please? I would do that for the Valium. <laughs> you know, James Peterson, I'm a Fort Worth guy. I uh, run a real estate team at uh, Sotheby's here in Fort Worth. We just got word yesterday, actually, that we're the number one team now for five years in a row. Wow. So pretty, pretty Congratulations. excited that the, the processes we built are paying off. I have a nonprofit here in Fort Worth called Cowtown Warriors. So awesome. 
If you are a North Texas veteran with an honorable discharge, service-connected disability, uh, we will help you with financial hardship, which we, we think is more important than taking your fishing or yeah. shooting guns. I mean, we'll pay your mortgage for a few months. and we'll do both. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do both. Well, we're mission-focused, right? Right. We're okay. laser in, LASIK lasers. Yeah. I, uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. we got a couple of gigs with our mutual friend, Jeremy, that, yeah. uh, you know, we're growing. It's very exciting. Former Marine. We, again, we have a very similar background. Um, we all kind of grew up with a bit of a chip on our shoulder from how we were raised, and mm -hmm. I think we've all levered that to really pursue yeah. success and outwork the competition. You know, I love the fact that you get up religiously at five and you're in the gym at 515 that the Marines have a saying it's called up before the enemy, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're, if you're in bed at 6am, the enemy is they're out jogging and doing pushups and practicing to kill you. And business can kind of be the same way. Your competition, mm -hmm. they're already in the office while you're getting your coffee at 715 and you're, mm -hmm. and your jam jams and sweatpants, you know? Yeah. And they also have a phrase racking, racking out. God. Where he's going to make you edit this. Yeah. Rack, racking out. Racking out. If you had to guess what that meant, what, what would you assume? Racking out. I'd imagine it's probably when you're maybe leaving your, your dorm or space in the morning to possibly get it ready for the day. See, exact opposite. A rack is also known as a bed. The thing about Marines is we can't just have normal names for everything. You got to make up <laughs> a stupid name for everything. It's an ink stick. It's, called hen. it's a fucking ink stick. Pardon my French. You can't call it a flashlight. It's it's a fucking moonbeam. Moonbeam. They call it a moonbeam. And that is not a bed. It's just a rack. You know? Yeah. A, or, a hallway isn't a hall. I, you know, I didn't mean. They call walls bulkheads. You know? Well, they call tennis shoes fast fast movers. Fast you can't just movers. Say, you can't just say, go get your tennis shoes on. You got to go get your fast movers on. You know, T-shirts are skimmy. I can go on. Sounds like an 87-year-old Southern oh, man. man made all these phrases. You guys are going to get some uh, some new definitions of terminology today. <laughs> yeah. So, And please add us how you use them in your corporate business meetings. Yeah. yeah I'm really interested. It is required that you not only uh, describe the definition, but you use it in a sentence and then tag us at Truckman and then at Winning Strategies Playbook. Yeah. See, I should have known that. Well, it's not like you're busy growing an amazing company or anything. Too, too busy to remember. Yeah, and you have but... two children. Two. Two yes. beautiful, two. amazing children. I've got two little boys. I've got a five-year-old that'll be six in March, and I have mm. a four-month-old. Yeah. And the four-month-old is doing better. We've noticed, my wife and I have noticed, that if we keep him up until 10 o'clock, he'll mm. sleep to the night. If not, he'll try to fall asleep at 7 o'clock, be up at 9.30, wants a bottle from 9.30 to 10, then he's up every three hours. So we've been uh, we've been keeping that kid fed, and he goes to sleep at ten o'clock. What are you doing to keep him up? Like TikTok dances? <laughs> What's the secret? He's in that phase now where he's doing the tummy time thing. Okay. So he's doing tummy time. He'll sit there, he'll play for a little bit, and then he'll start screaming. Same. And then uh, same. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same <laughs> way. I'm I'm like, man, today didn't go like I wanted it to. And yeah. You find me in the I'm office laying down screaming on my tummy. <laughs> just I'm also doing tummy time. Yeah. 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 So now he's, I think in the last week or two, he's kind of transitioned to that teething phase where he wants to mm -hmm. chew on everything. So he's got his hands in his mouth all the time. But Again, you know. I'm finding a lot of similarities between us and a four-month-old. <laughs> My five-year-old will be six soon. So he's uh, he did baseball the last two years. He's actually going to get into ice hockey. So nice. I've got... Uh, Cha-ching. I've got, unfortunately, I've got TVs all around the house, like in the rooms, in the backyard, and... It was my wild idea. I'm like, let's put TVs everywhere. So he uh, he's found out with the Samsung TVs, the remote, you can hold down the, the uh, microphone. Mm -hmm. And he says, play YouTube, Hockey Dow Stars. <laughs> and he's got hockey playing nonstop. So okay, my wife at, is... At Dallas Stars. Send us a Stars player. Send us a sponsorship. Yeah. Come on. Send us somebody to teach him how to skate, because that's what he's having to do right yeah. now. He's... Mom's having to take him back and forth to the uh, NYTX Center there in Northwestern Hills to mm -hmm. yeah. start skating. But having two kids, growing a, a semi-successful company, I feel like being able to train and establish not only employees, but being able to establish future customers. And I think our podcast helps us introduce people not only within the trucking industry, but people outside the trucking industry too. And so many you know, whether you're a business owner or you're just somebody who enjoys podcasts, there's a lot of different things that I took and said, hey, these are things that are important to me, but hey, what can I learn from this? Because mm -hmm. 
just like any very successful person, whether you're talking about Mark Cuban or Warren Buffett or whoever it is, say there's just one idea from reading a couple hours a day that can take me from where I'm at to where I want to go. And there was mm-hmm. a few things that I found a couple of years ago that have transitioned me to now. But now that we talk about that, a big thing that I'm uh, very dedicated with is, is day-to-day operations and what I'm doing. So yeah. we'll start with you, James. What does is, what is every day look like for you? What do you do within the uh, real estate sector? So the the challenges the challenges that I deal with is you've got a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. You got a team you got to deal with. You got clients coming in, clients going out, but you also have um, adjacent businesses that require time too. So what I found is very similar to you. We have a an eight a.m. huddle with my business partners. We try to keep it around fifteen minutes on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I try to get all of my eyes dotted and t's crossed before that. Whether mm-hmm. that's Working out, emails, reading, journaling, you know, using the morning call map to make sure you're not going to be too stressed out during the day. But a lot of what I try to do is touches. You got to make sure that everyone that you come across knows you're a realtor because let's be honest, um, seems like every Tom, Dick, and Harry is a realtor and you can't, you know, talk to anyone without them saying they're a real estate. So mm-hmm. really it's it's uh, making sure that I, I strive every day to differentiate myself from the herd. Yes. By what value we bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a huge thing, especially in that real estate sector too, because, you know, we've, uh, I think we've talked about it uh, a couple of times and that is what a lot of people refer to as a low barrier of entry. You know, I tell people, no offense to any, anyone who's, uh, who's been in the service industry, but you can be in the service industry on Tuesday and then on Instagram saying you're a real estate professional on Wednesday, there's an extremely low barrier wow. of entry, right? Very, very low. You just got to pass a test and then you can, you can start wow. functioning like that. So really, again, it's just focusing on differentiating yourself from the herd because of that low barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. And that's, we have a very specific process that we use when we vet a potential client. And we, again, we don't do business with everybody. If they don't want to play ball, we'll refer them out to the next best thing. Yeah, Morgan's looking for a new house, so hopefully I match that box for being a potential client. I was talking <laughs> with Jeremy about it, and I said, hey, she wants to move here. And he's like, are you sure? Mm. And then he texted me and said, hey, I've been through uh, three agents I've called so far. I haven't found one that matches exactly what you need. So that's that's a huge piece, and I think even more so here at you know, Truckman is we have a lot of customers that call in, and we're very specific on our uh, processing customer uh, acquisition of who we work with because we don't fit every single box. But I believe that having a, a process that you follow and that you don't deviate from, but not only you as the owner, it's transitioned all the way throughout your entire company from your sales personnel to your transportation team, to your accounting team. When everybody's structured, it works a lot better. And <clears throat> I know very early on, I was, I was always asking questions to what things are the successful people doing? Mm. Is Warren Buffett reading three hours a day? Yes. Is Mark Cuban taking hours out of his day to research both online and reading books? Yes. Does Kevin O'Leary still think and abide by the fact that business is war? Yes. And abiding by those different principles to say, these are the things that I need to do if I can just take a couple of these and implement them into what takes creating a habit that 14 days is such a huge piece but so megan what what does your day-to-day look like the minute you get up in the morning what does your day look like what does a week look like because venture capital i'm sure can be pretty stressful to deal with because you're dealing with people business owners like me that need that capital to get to that next level Right. Yeah. What is my day? So I'm not a gym gal. You're No one is ever going to accuse me of waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. I'm kind of a God gal. So I, before I even put my foot on the bed, take time to pray and meditate and really just hone in and focus. I have three full-time jobs because I'm a single mom of two. So wow. I have to really fill my cup before I even put my feet down on the ground so that I can go into my day with integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and stewardship. So like my life mantra is stewardship and to steward what you're given really well. When it comes to venture capital and what that looks like, it's understanding that these are people's dreams. Mm -hmm. So when a founder or someone who's interested in becoming a founder reaches out and says, Megan, what is this landscape? What does it look like to accept funds from a venture capital firm? Really stewarding their vision well, 
understanding what they're looking to get out of it, and then educating them that this may not be the best option for them and where they want to go. I feel really strongly about that. I think we've all mentioned that to do your job with integrity is important and just taking anyone's company or taking anyone's equity is is not my ideal game. Yeah. So what that looks like from a pragmatic component is, so you mentioned Yahoo Finance. I'm like a Bloomberg yeah. gal, so that's always on and I'm always trying to educate myself on what's next in the field and then where are trends going. And more importantly, what does it look like in today's day and age to be an entrepreneur? What do they need to succeed and what are their barriers to entry to being an entrepreneur and how do you overcome that? Maybe it's venture capital. Yeah. Maybe it's an accelerator program. Maybe it's mentorship. Um, maybe it's just a really good stern pep talk of like, you've got a great idea. Yeah. Sit on it for six months and let's see where that goes. Really hone in. So. Um, and I have a, you know, an, an, another day job in health tech and SaaS, and I love that value-based care nerd and junkie. So come to me, all the healthcare friends and executives love to have a conversation with you. And then, yeah, just pray that I make it through dinner time with two kids with 900 requests. And I usually go to bed about midnight oh, wow. <laughs> most nights, just trying to cram it all in. You're a trooper. No, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> so you're tired. tired. I'm, tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm tired and there's a lot of laundry. Oh, I know about laundry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how much do we spend on Tide this month? <laughs> just keep going through laundry detergent. So it's so amazing, obviously, being, you know, as I mentioned before, being in that venture capital space is such a delicate piece because you're talking to business owners that are relying on you to help take them to that next level. And I know mm -hmm. very early on, as many business owners that watch this or listen to this on many of the platforms say to themselves, where do I get started or what do I do? And I know some of the podcasts upcoming are talking about that, everything from, you know, having a, a simple name picked out to, you know, creating something as simple as a domain, right? Going to GoDaddy or Namecheap and getting a domain and getting your professional email, you know, first mm -hmm. initial, last name at youridea.com is so much easier. And it gives that more professional view yeah. to a bank, to a lender, to any of your customers that you are an established business and setting up LLCs and stuff like that. And I'm sure that we'll talk about that uh, for another time. But would you agree that in that venture capital space, there are many of other people or firms that just have a grasp on injecting money into a company in hopes that either A, they go belly up, or B, they don't know how to handle the capital. I'm sure that you see that. Yeah. You know, it's been tricky lately because venture capital has been more, it's been riskier um, in, the, in the most recent and upcoming years. Uh, my niche lane is healthcare, mm -hmm. right? So this is an industry where we are very risk averse to inject capital because these are people's lives at yeah, stake. It's exactly. it's a different industry than like, you know, manufacturing or something like that. These really are people's lives and at stake here. So they're a lot more risk adverse. The thing with venture capital that maybe some know or some don't know is that if they invest in you, your succession rate to me, in my biased opinion, is better than someone who just gets a small business loan. And the reason that I say that is because they're going to put you in an accelerator program. They're going to give you vendors that they strategically partner with and maybe cut your cost, right? You're not mm. gonna be paying thousands of dollars for QuickBooks because they're gonna give you QuickBooks for free to navigate your business. Don't quote me on free, please. Uh, don't take that to your VC firm and use that as concrete, but. I'm here for that free QuickBooks. I'm here for that free, <laughs> I'm here for that free QuickBooks and that free EHR. But yeah. all that to say, like, they're gonna put you in an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And when you're in an ecosystem, you have support and accountability, right? They're gonna position themselves on a place on your board, right? You're gonna have somebody to call at 7 a.m., 2 a.m. Like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. What did you do here? Right. And that person is going to have vested interest in your success. So, yes, the downfall is that you give away a portion of your baby. But what you're getting in return to me is just this entire ecosystem of just building up your success rate. Yeah. Now, are there VC backed companies that don't make it? Not in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. It's not like a restaurant where in a year it just they close the doors, right? You're looking at acquisitions, mergers, strategic partnerships. They're going to find a way for you to succeed. It just may not look like what you initially envisioned in your mind as a founder when you started the company. 
So there's a lot more support that comes with it. A hundred percent. And that's what I preach and evangelize. Like that's, that's the missing piece, I think, for a lot of businesses when you're struggling kind of on your own. Um, and that's what I love. But I am biased. So I do need to throw that in there. Yeah. Just for my own conscious purposes. Well, and I think that guidance is such a huge piece, right? Because, you know, anybody who has a great idea usually starts with that traditional route of, hey, I've got the idea. Let me go talk to the bank. Tell me about the idea. And then we all hear the uh, monotonous, you know, verbiage of, well, you need to have it for six months or you need to have it for two years. And I, I think so many business owners get frustrated and either A, the business has never come to fruition or B, they're in business for six months, a year, and they just don't make it because... They don't have the guidance, whether it's the network or the support behind them. B, they don't have the capital to do it. They can't right. find the capital. And then C, they just get burnt out because they're like, man, I've been doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different. And that's yeah. just a, that's just the pure definition of insanity is mm. you're telling me I got to have experience before I have experience. I need to go get some experience. And I think right. people just purely get frustrated and pissed off. They say, man, I don't want to do it anymore. And I know when I started, I was like, man... I did this, all right, let me get up and do this again and do this again and do this again. But in some businesses, even I would imagine, and maybe healthcare or manufacturing, whatever it is, at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, hey, this ain't cash flowing. This ain't working. I need some help. And Yeah. And I think that's another tangible aspect too, mm -hmm. is really that buy into a runway for a deal cycle, right? You've already got connections in XYZ market that you can call upon in your VC network or in yes. your mentorship program. Like, yeah, if my mentor works for Kaiser, yeah. it's going to be really easy for me to call Kaiser and say, hey, would you want to work with me? And so you're fast tracked already to just getting a deal and market penetration on the way. So it's a great ecosystem. You can do it without it, though. Yeah. I mean, we have great small business owners and, and everyone everywhere who does it without it. So venture capitalist, James. Are you, uh, are you dealing with any investors at all? Obviously, you're in the real estate space. Or are you just dealing with yeah. a commercial, residential investor? What, uh, what exactly do you focus on? So we focus on residential investing, residential real estate, but then there's an investment aspect that is it's, it created its own ecosystem. Wow. And we were fortunate enough to recognize the potential pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So outside of doing just residential transactions, uh, I don't have the the exact numbers, but probably around 85 to 90 transactions. My team houses bought and sold for 22. Yeah. We partnered with various LLC investors to buy TC rent houses, okay. right? And so that turned from eight properties into 50 properties overnight. Wow. And we realized that you needed a landscaping company and then you need a property services company. And then you need to start a, a fund because the investors are going to want to exit, yeah. And we thought about we thought about getting some a, a capital infusion, but instead we bootstrapped it. Mm -hmm. Wow! And that's the pro and con. Because let me tell you something: when um, you know, and, and when you're working on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, and you're taking phone calls all day and all night, sometimes you wish that you would have got a capital infusion to hire an entire labor force. But it's it's so rewarding to build something mm -hmm. that you you know you're looking at an exit no matter what with, within a couple of years. But it, I think venture capital, if you find the right, and I'm not the expert, uh, obviously, but if you find the right avenue, yep. like it's, it's the vehicle makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where people like Megan actually excel because they're, they're, they're blunt, right? Because they want return on that investment. So they're going to tell you if it's not the right vehicle for, for venture capital, capital infusion, you know? They, I am very blunt. People come to me all the time and I'm like, that's not a VC company. Love ya. Not a VC company. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's, I think there's a little bit of a disservice that is done for the younger generation. I want to be entrepreneurs where <laughs> I think a lot of social, I call it the social media effect, right? Where you see somebody is like, look, if you do these five things and find your niche and you can be making 50, I, I can't tell you how many of those posts I see on Instagram and it, and it, it just pisses me off, you know? Like go, go read. There's this guy, Michael Porter, Dr. Porter. He, he's a Harvard guy. So he designed this thing called Porter's five forces. And it's how you evaluate whether your business idea is good or not. You know, you look at supply chain, you look at competition, you look at market and all this and that. Mm -hmm. And you can do that and spend a week doing that. And then that will arm you with the information you need. So if you're listening to this, it's, it's Porter's five forces, P-O-R-T-E-R-S versus watching someone on Instagram tell you how you can build a $50,000 a month cash flowing business and 
90 yeah. days just buy my plant yeah oh that's i'm sorry i'm just gonna rant for a minute because you brought it up especially in venture capital you know you go on linkedin everyone has investor in their headline mm -hmm. every single person on linkedin it feels like is like a, a vcist or investor or angel investor yeah. and there's some truth to that i don't want to dog on people who are actually certified investors and have done this before but don't believe everything you see on linkedin it's a social media platform just like any other social media platform and do your due diligence, which is actually my job, uh, and 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 look at people who have actually started businesses in the past, right? I would be very weary of taking an angel investment from someone uh -huh. if they've just worked at a bank for their entire life. And that's maybe a controversial opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway and stick my name to it. Unless you've been there and you've been in the trenches, probably don't know what it takes to succeed in a business landscape. Yeah. I think that's so important too, especially even with, you know, not only this company, I've got companies outside of here, but, you know, really one of the important things I think that we all learn as humans, whether you're a business owner or not, is you have to pay for experience, right? And experience is expensive at mm -hmm. some point, right? So either you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. Yeah. And, you know, we've all heard that the, uh, the term, right, is the guy comes in, he's got a problem in his home and has a handyman come out. It wasn't the time that he came out. It was he knew where to tap that pipe to yeah. to clear the problem, and that's what you're paying for. Is you're paying for the experience. So, so many people that listen to this, especially some of the uh, single truck owner operators or small trucking fleets, this is valuable information. Although you're in the venture capital space on the healthcare side, and you specialize in real estate, multiple of our customers are involved in both sectors. Believe it or not, I've got. A couple of trucking companies I know that have asked me, you know, hey, man, we're looking to buy some more investment properties or, hey, we want to buy places for Airbnbs or, yeah. hey, maybe we're buying a, a late, a, excuse me, a home on, uh, you know, Lake Gunnersville in Alabama. We need a realtor. And that network is so important mm -hmm. because they want to know that they trust somebody and that you have that experience. Mm -hmm. And it's so tough to be able to look at a customer or potential customer and say, hey, as a business owner, as a company, you don't fit the model. And although it's tough for me to say, hey, I can't work with you, I do have a recommendation of somebody that you can work with, right? I think that's why, not to interrupt you, but mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like a goldfish and if I don't say it, I'm going to forget. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, but I got my executive MBA from TCU. And that's one of the things I've learned is I need to get it out of the system. So. That's one of the things I think your podcast is going to bring a, a ton of value to the industry, yeah. right? So, because in my prior life, I dealt with a lot of trucking companies, and so I'm very familiar with a lot of podcasts. And there's one on on YouTube that's actually pretty good. I don't know if she does it anymore, but uh, I think she. they're distributing knowledge. Well, she's a form, she's an attorney that focuses in trucking. You probably know who I'm talking mm -hmm. because, but anyways. Um, that's that's why I'm I'm glad that you were allowed us to be a guest on the show because if you can yeah. distribute information, you can help bring people along mm -hmm. yeah. and kind of give some people guidance. So maybe that sweat equity mm -hmm. that they have to do to gain that experience is just a little bit less. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's it's a great example of you as a business person giving back to you, you as a person. I mean, the way yeah. you talk about giving, the way you talk about growing, is someone who genuinely works with integrity and stewards yeah. well, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, we're in your fan club. So talk about having a, a solid Rolodex. Like I, I consider you a great introduction. We talked about someone in our podcast. Yes. I can't wait. I cannot. I'm gonna group text you guys after the, yeah. after once I shut things down today. He's gonna put me in a group text with his wife. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, guys are gonna do target runs. We're, in the we're going to target run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, we shared kind of some of that knowledge and obviously a lot of the the people that are you know whether you're watching this on on uh, YouTube or you're listening to it. What are some of the things that uh, maybe both of you have found either a starting a business or maybe they're in that one to two year phase that are important, mm. just things that you found? It, it could be anything, you know, a, a couple things that I know I've found that we've helped customers with is explaining and providing valuable insight of when a good time to get rid of their truck is. When they're ready to go buy a new one, here's a good time to get rid of your truck. You'll get the most money. Obviously, the accounting piece some of our finance partners that we work with at multiple banks, you know, in getting payoffs have said, hey, look, you know, XYZ is trading in their trucks, but uh, maybe you're a, a small company and your financials are scattered. So what are some of the things that you guys have seen? 
goat. This is such an exciting question. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that is a great question. It is a great question. And I think one one thing I tell people to focus on, whether it's venture capital, maybe it's that you want to be a business owner, focus and decide if you want to be an enterprise hmm. or if you want to be something that's a local name, right? If you want to be a hub and spoke in your community, focus on that. If you want to have an enterprise mindset, know that you're going to have to give up some things that maybe you've held on too tight to, right? So focus on, do you want to be a national corporation, a global corporation? What mindset do you want to have going into your business that affects every decision that you're going to make in that first one to two to three years? Do you agree? Absolutely. And then my second piece of advice is <laughs> know your market. Um, and this is very specific even to venture capital, but when you work with a VC firm, they're going to run due diligence, mm -hmm. but they're going to look at your market size. What's your total addressable market size? Mm. And Mark Andreessen says it the absolute best because he is our king a little bit with A16, shout out A16. And he says you can have the, the best product in the world, but if you have a shit market, nothing's going to matter. Yeah. Right? You're the biggest guy that nobody ever heard. You're about. the biggest fish in the absolute smallest pond. Yeah. So know your market and and to get even more niche, know the ecosystems within your market. So when I talk about healthcare, right? Healthcare is local, but it's global. So it is the opposite of a normal business archetype. Right? So you have to understand that even though you have a global or an enterprise mindset, your entire operational hub and spoke if you don't have boots on the ground, if you don't understand the landscape in the markets that you're going into, you can't succeed. So just know your market is my is is my advice. All right. That I I couldn't agree with that statement more. I mean, so we're at 240 TCU tenants right now. Wow. And I at, I I know that I can tell you anything about that property the second I look at it. I mean, I I and, and I interact with those kids, young men, young young ladies, so mm. often that I am so deeply embedded in that. It's it's almost to the point where I don't even like to wear purple that much. That's you are like, you are a frack. You're in, you're like basically in the fraternity. I'm like a four, a 41 year old guy who gets in, invited to fraternity to sorority parties, and I have to say thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the ego boost, but I don't want to be the token old guy there. Yeah, but um, you know uh. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Or no. were you saying you're done? I'm I'm um, I'm just I'm petitioning you for president of Pike. I think that when it comes to starting your business, it's okay to go slow. Okay. And what you really need to do is once you understand your market and what you want to do and who you want to be, staging and pacing of growth is mm -hmm. crucial. Right. And if you don't hit those landmarks, you need to go back and reevaluate. That doesn't mean your business is a failure, you're a bad business person. You just might have mismeasured that. Yeah. And so if you have those landmarks out, whether that's I want to acquire this many properties, this many clients, I want to do this much revenue, that's crucial. And it it doesn't matter how good your idea is. A, if you don't the customer base isn't there, and B, if you're gonna grow too fast and you're gonna flounder, or you're gonna grow grow too slow and you're gonna you're gonna run out of your business because eventually someone's gonna have the same idea and the same marketplace and your business idea is gonna be irrelevant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, it makes absolute sense. Those are really good points. Thank, Thank, you. To, uh... <laughs> Thank you to the TCU EMBA program. Yeah. That's the one regret I had. So I, uh, you know, we spoke on it earlier, but the the one regret I had was not going to uh, to college and obviously getting directly out of high school and going to the car business. But no, I did look, TCU, for those that you want to go to college, TCU has the MBA program that you can enroll in. I'm actually going to get enrolled and sign up for it, but... You Just should. FYI, uh, our executive MBA is ranked higher than Harvard's. Yeah. Um, it's it's well, one, I don't think one of the top in the world. But I don't think that you should have that regret because something that me and James actually feel passionate about mm. is taking the business education into the real world. Yeah. Because what they teach you in business school can help you. You're buying into a network. I will not deny that you are buying into a network. And especially when you talk about VC, mm -hmm. all these big four schools run all these firms, right? Harvard, Stanford, MIT, you know, Caltech. Mm -hmm. 
you're you're buying into a network that's going to benefit you. But when you talk about the business ecosystem and being a startup owner, mm -hmm. being a founder, we feel really passionately about not gatekeeping this information within these mm -hmm. MBA programs. Like there's great internet research. There's just trial and error and not everything in the classroom transfers over. So I don't think you should have an ounce of shame. I think you should be shouting it from the rooftops. You should, yeah, you should, you should be impressed. And you're the only, look, when you, when you grew up as, as poor as I did and, and you escape homelessness through the Marine Corps and you make something out of yourself, you get a little chip on your shoulder and mm -hmm. you feel, you feel like you need that pedigree. Like I'm telling you, I spent almost as much on TCU gear as I did on tuition for Christ's sake. Uh, and if you could see my closet and my keychain and stupid mm -hmm license plate you would understand but well to be fair you know those college shirts can be a pretty penny <laughs> yeah thanks a lot peter millar but um so one of the things that jeremy and i my business partner talk about all the mm -hmm. time is the mba the executive mba versus a real world mba mm -hmm. and what i can tell you from experience and, and having chatted with you for a while known you for a bit is the weight of experience in business that you would bring to that classroom it, is staggering because some people use it to level up a few positions in their job. Some people want to start their own business. And I thought that, okay, well, my business education is complete. I have the purple polo and the degree on my wall. So give me all your money and, and, and where's my C-suite? Where's, you know? Yes. And then you start a couple businesses and then you add another business and then you start a holding company to hold all those businesses. And then you have to learn what real world business accounting is and what strategy actually is and what a good idea versus a bad idea is. Okay, well, how much sweat equity do you put in this business? How much sleep do you lose before you realize it's a bad idea? But it looks good on Porter's Five Forces or on NBA paper. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. I would I would consider I got I got that degree and then boy was I in for a rude awakening because let me tell you something. My my business partner, you know, is is your good friend. Can quote lines from that class almost ten years ago, and we still argue and fight about what's the right way to do. And oftentimes, it's just a real world logical solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you so you went to college to turn around and go back to college in the real life. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of conversations that I have, you know, people say as a business owner, what you know, what things do you specialize in? Right. We all have our niche in the industry that we're in, but. The biggest thing that, you know, to add to that list that, that I asked earlier was my input would be that subject matter expert. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you got to have a SME. Every single intricacy about your business. But yes, also backed with whether you have a college degree or not, you're going to come out here and you're going to learn mm -hmm. what things are going to change your business and what road you need to take in your planning. Wait, you, you mean to tell me you can't be a real estate subject matter expert by watching Selling Sunset on Netflix? Shots have been fired. Everybody's a real bing, estate bing, agent. Bing, Wait, you bing, bing, could you throw in some uh, some audio effects there? Bing, you can't bing, be. Bing. Are you on your phone? Come on, dude. <laughs> Put down the Tinguerio oh, file. She uh, can wait. She can't wait, Gage. Oh, Strike while the iron's hot. Listen, swipe left always. Trust me. Hey, I was gonna tell you before you say that. I don't mean to cut you off, but I gotta tell you this. So my wife. We may have to cut this out, Gage. My wife called a guy yesterday. We live in Alito. For those of you that know where Alito is, you know, mm -hmm. west of Fort Worth. She called a guy yesterday looking at buying a house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a referral from a girl that does her hair. And she was like, hey, call this guy. Hair Hairstylists know it all. You talk about for the, epi reason. the epicenter of the network. Get you a good hairstylist. You will never look for anything again. That's Ooh. it. You're talking to two men right i think I, oh uh, he gets his hair done more than i do my wife goes and gets the extensions and her hair cut and colored and anyway she's like hey so we're ready to move to a new house and uh her hairdresser's like yeah no problem so-and-so's husband actually has her house up for sale so we're like okay cool says uh i'll have him call you so she inquires about the house and the guy's like hey it's x i'll say the price but he says uh do you have a real estate agent I'm like, yeah, you know, we're a company and both individuals. Yeah, we won't be discounting the house. And we're like, what? And uh, so my wife decides to look him up on Google, and he's a real estate agent, lists, I guess, his personal house, but he says, yeah, if you have a real estate agent, we're not going to be discounting our house. So my question to you is, if anybody ever runs into that again, 
isn't there some sort of like guideline, like fine line within real estate that you can't do that? Or is there a line drawn because it's his personal home? I was going to ask you about that. No, you just have to, there's a, a form that you just have to fill out on a one to four contract, mm -hmm. which is a Trek Texas real estate commission form that you use for a single one to four family homes. Why? Um, just a, a disclosure that a you either have a, a personal financial interest in the home or you're married you're married to the realtor mm -hmm. all of those loans. So what that tells me is is that they don't value the financial part of the equation, mm. right? Because the, the price is a price is a price. The comps are the comps. Everything out, outside of that is just a negotiation. Wow, right? So outside of it being a personal home, can any real estate agent just say, hey, if you have an agent, we're not discounting the house? whether they have a personal interest or not, or? Yeah, so basically what that is telling me is they don't want to pay commissions to mm -hmm. the buyer side, which means that, they, again, we would never do business with that. And I, I, just because, what here's what happens when we run into that. And when I first started the industry, I was like, well, why would we ask them that? They're going to say no. And then you realize, wait, we're actually the number one team at Sotheby's. We're actually the shit. People want to do business with us because we are the speed. We, so we'll have someone say, well, we're only paying 1%, 2%, 2.5%, and standard is 3%. Okay. So what we tell our, our clients is like, look, sometimes the, the house of your dreams, they only want to pay 2%. Do you want to do, do business with us? We expect you to make it up. Mm. And, and not one single time after they met the team and saw the value that we bring to the table have they said no. Yeah. Right? Whereas... In my industry, there's a sense of uh, desperation, right? Like, this is my deal. Oh, my God, I need this. I need to pay my rent. And so people will literally cut their commission to half a percent just to get the deal done. Um, yeah. No. Thank you, Selling Sunset on Netflix, for establishing that. Yeah, but, I thought you were going to wrap this back to Tinder somehow, that, you know, like, yeah, there, that your know. wife had met a real estate agent on Tinder. Yeah, and uh, I thought this we were going like, to some tea. I thought we were getting uh, the tea. Yeah. yeah. No. Guys, Great. That, was, that was the one thing I had. Uh, I asked her about it. I was like, that's so interesting. I've, I've never heard that, but you know, that, that doesn't strike me as odd, right? To ask a customer to make up the difference mm -hmm. because you're going to pay for that experience, right? If, if you get the, the selling sunset or some bozo who just mm -hmm. did his real estate license online, he printed that out at his mom's house. He doesn't have the value, the insight, the experience to go out there and represent mm -hmm. you. If he's worried about making his $600 car payment because his yee-yee jacked up Silverado from MCMC has a seven dollars payment, mm -hmm. he doesn't have that experience that maybe the uh, the Sotheby's team does to say, hey, here's the right area, here are valuable comps, here's the mm -hmm. pros and cons of buying a home. So we definitely got some good insight here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll end here, right, is if you could go back and tell yourself, right, maybe a very similar to you guys ask, if you were 25, what would be the top three things that you would tell yourself would take you from where you're at now to where you wanted to be when you first started your company? I'll take the first one. We, we touched on it a couple of times. Growing up poor, being homeless, there was a lot, there was a huge chip on my shoulder, huge case of imposter syndrome. And I would have just told myself, just go for it because it's all in your head. Yeah. You have value, you're bringing deals to the table. And it would have put my my business, my bank account, my career, my network 10 years ahead of where I am now. Yeah. And you should have just leaned in and gone for it. Okay. Now, that's not a very sexy answer. Yeah. But it's it's exactly what I would say. All right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I always try and not tear up at these questions. I don't know if that's a maternal instinct or not, but 25-year-old Megan, pray for her. She's made it through a lot in life, but I would tell myself, and I feel very strongly about this, making it in corporate America, and you talk about the corporate shift and climbing that. At 25, I was so concerned with the title and the salary mm -hmm. and the soft skills, right? Because business development, you're trying to hone that component. Yeah. Focus on your hard skills. Hone in on what you can do really well and become an expert in it. Because at 25, it's okay to sort of be near the bottom. You just have to think long-term about how you get to the top. And maybe it's not the title. Maybe it's not that 150K salary plus. Yeah. Maybe it's about doing a small subset of skills the best in your industry. Yeah. Right? I, now I, I want to redo my answer. 
My, my answer sounds stupid, you know? No, but but at 25, you're kind of just starting to get that taste, right? So you want to jump. Don't jump. Yeah. Focus on honing those hard skills so that when you master having both a hard skill set and a soft skill set, yeah. later on in life, you can have tenure to your name. You can have achievable metrics behind your career. The title and the salary will come if you'll follow that steps. Yeah. I think that skill set is such a huge piece too. You know, there's a, it, I think the saying goes right. There's a lot of people that, that focus on a lot of things, but there's a few people that focus on a few things. I, amen. amen. It, it goes exactly back to the real estate side. You want to do with a professional, you want to do with somebody who knows the market, the comms, because when you get somebody that is either A, very prepared and ready to go, such as a buyer, maybe who's paying cash from out of town, we just recently sold our home last year and the buyers were from Nebraska and paid cash and the closing date fell on a national holiday and mm. they FedExed us a cashier's check for the difference from their bank mm. to close the same day. So there's so much insight, you know, just in so many things that we do, I want to pay for time, right? It's, especially as many business owners that listen to this and high level executives is time is worth money. And it just goes back to that experience. If you have that wherewithal to to go for it, to put yourself in that avenue and say, hey, these are my skill sets and what I specialize in. I know that I'm good at networking. I know that I'm good at social media, but maybe you're weak in organization. Then spend the time focusing on where can I get better in organization because I know that I'm good at social mm -hmm. media. And you know, some of the downfalls that I have was just trying to be more structured in my day. And it may be something as similar as or small as not taking a phone call before 9 a.m. No matter who it is, taking that time to focus on what my day consists of, what I'm doing as a business owner from the accounting team, the transportation team, the sales team, the customer base that I travel with, or maybe it's scheduling podcasts and social media and stuff like that. So those are great answers. Uh, where do we find you guys on social media? Obviously, Winning Strategies Playbook. We'll find that on Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, mm -hmm. iTunes. Winning Strategies Playbook. You can yeah. find me on LinkedIn, Megan yeah. Linder. You can find me on, if you want to follow around on my antics, you can absolutely follow me on Instagram. It's Megan Lejoy, uh, J-O-Y-E, because my mom is original. So come find me. Come tag along. I'm, I'm James Peterson, Texas, P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-T-X. And uh, I can connect to uh, all my socials through Instagram. Um, you can also look up the SPAN group, um, and you can contact me at jpeterson at com. Awesome, awesome. Great having you guys. We'll make sure that we link all the social media links below. Look forward to bringing you guys a lot more podcasts. Make sure you follow the truckbin.com podcast. Follow us on all the social media platforms. We've got a lot of exciting things coming. Big news. I've got a system that I'm working on that will be uh, sales training inside of the Class 8 commercial truck sales industry. So that's in the works. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Thank you. That's exciting. You've been listening to the truckvin.com podcast with Zach Ellis and your go-to source for up-to-date insights on the trucking industry. Remember, when you're ready to sell, call America's foremost truck buyer at 855-TRUCK-20 or visit truckvin.com. Join us next time for the truckvin.com podcast.